everybody to Miss Sandry with Marsha and Ray I'm excited I was just singing a really fun song before we started recording <laughs> how it went right oh, wait how did it go oh Megan McCain drives me insane um yes, we're thinking about topics to discuss really haven't got my Megan McCain impression down. I feel like I had a good Elizabeth Theranos because I was really shocked at her voice. I was really shocked at her voice. Elizabeth Holmes. Everybody, I mean, wait, what's her name? Oh, <laughs> her name's not Elizabeth Theranos. No. Oh, my God. I just, like, everybody was talking about her voice, and I still wasn't prepared when I heard it in the, like, beginning of the documentary. It was crazy. So... Um, for some of y'all who don't know, uh, HBO put on a documentary called The Inventor about the scammer, Elizabeth Holmes. Who Wait, it's was... called The Inventor? Yes. Oh my God. I've been telling, I seriously have probably said The Innovator like at least five times to people. <laughs> like a lot. I mean, I've been being like, that should wow. That's a more accurate title, I would say. They all but just nodded the at inventor, me. I think it's, I think it's, um. It's sort of this like double entendre. Like they thought she was inventing something, mm. an actual product, but she actually was inventing who she was in her whole life. Wow, she was inventing a story. Mm-hmm. Weaving um, a yeah. web. Sorry, I was eating breakfast. Um, <laughs> hi, friends. Um, I feel like we haven't talked to them in a while. We should probably talk to them. I know. Wait, a, we uh, missed you, Miss Sandra. Sorry to just jump right in. I was just obsessing over this documentary and Elizabeth uh, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I want to hear her real voice so badly, but we're back. We're in the bunker. We're hiding out on a Saturday, on a beautiful Saturday day. Yeah. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> Uh, 12.06 West Coast time. You know what's sad also, is I also just ate breakfast, but... <laughs> what time did you get up? I was up. You know, it's like I was up and I went for a walk and stuff, but then I just, like, didn't eat until, like, 1 or noon or something. And I'll do that and then just, like, be, like, so hungry and then just, like, eat. Maniacally? Yes. <laughs> I just, like, yeah, I'll have, like, a breakfast sandwich and just be like, ah. <laughs> um, how's the weather out there? You know, thank you for asking. It's not bad. <laughs> it's uh, it's tolerable. It's you know, it's all. It's like it's so funny because like now I work in this all Jewish office and it's like the best because ev- all day everyone's just like, "How is the temperature? Is everybody feeling comfortable <laughs> temperature wise?" Um, <laughs> and it's like yeah, because it's all women too. But it's like. So funny because it's not bad though. The I like this is a good time of year for New York, but it's been raining. But I'm like one of these sickos that likes kind of like gray, rainy. I love it. Don't call me a sicko. Yeah, we're sickos. That's why we live underground in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, underground in the woods where there's probably going to be a lot of rain. 
and we're gonna like it. And our uh, men in our basement are gonna have to deal with the like open sky. Deal. We'll have like Water. you know, synthesized rain. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. We we are um we're expecting a lot out of our technology. Uh, maybe we should hire Elizabeth Holmes. We have to, oh my God, what if the military or our militia starts offering um, blood tests? (laughs) You're hilarious. That would be great. That would be like, that's how you know it's about to get culty. It's like when people start talking about blood, you know what I mean? It's like when blood starts coming into it, that's when you need to run. If you're getting like finger pricked, no. That's great. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean... I don't even understand what she was trying to do. I'm just more, I'm fascinated, but not in like a way that I'm proud of because she's awful. She's an awful human, but I am very um, fascinated by uh, uh, the, I'm fascinated by how stupid men are. (laughs) The older like guys in it are so funny. So uh, for you guys who don't know, uh, Elizabeth Holmes was, um, the CEO of a company called Theranos that she started by herself. So quote unquote, when she was 19. And uh, so here's this girl from Texas. This like, she's the scion of like two formerly very wealthy families. And she's apparently very brilliant. And so they saw in her the potential to change the world <laughs> or like restore the family's name to prominence. So this girl goes to Stanford and she, uh, is in an engineering major, I think. Mm. But um, so she goes to Stanford. She makes nice with an advisor or two and tells them that she wants to create this um, uh, machine that takes blood samples and can diagnose you um, for a hundred different things with just like a drop of blood um, instead of the standard, you know, drawing blood that we do right now. And there was one woman, because of course it was a woman, who was like, uh, "There's this is scientifically impossible, girl. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, um, but Elizabeth kept going. Oh, my God, that's she, right. Like, that's so funny. She's like. And Elizabeth kept going. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, go I just remembered that part in the documentary. I'm sorry. I had, like, a five-second delay. Oh, yeah. Okay, no problem. Um, yeah, so she. So she just goes and, you know, she convinces like a man who is tenured at Stanford to leave his job there to join her company that she started at 19 and she dropped out of college. So this girl drops out of college, sophomore year at Stanford in engineering. I don't even think, I don't know what type of engineering it was. I think maybe chemical. And they... I don't know. All these old white men start giving this bitch money. They don't ask her no questions about the science. They don't like it's crazy. We're talking big time people. We're talking Henry Kissinger. We're talking James Mathis. She even poached like Steve Jobs's like right hand man to <laughs> to to work for her, and she ultimately like is there like commits massive fraud over the course of like 11 years where she is lying about what the machines can do. She's creating this persona. She's like, you know, Bill Clinton's interviewing her. Jared Leto's presenting her with awards. Like 
She's 19. She started this thing. And, and she's so confident. Like, never blinks. Just, like. Never. It's insane. She cultivated her look so that she would, like, be perfectly groomed to resemble Steve Jobs. And also had that, like, um, carefully disheveled look. You know, her hair was purposely yes. messy. Exactly messy the right way. Um, so she had blonde hair, but she like let it grow out so you could see the roots so that you could believe that she like was too busy. Trying. Yeah. That she's this genius who didn't give a fuck about her pre- present appearance, even while she's posing for the cover of Forbes. Like it's really, she was in a Always. serious relationship. Yeah. That one interview where she's like, I didn't take Steve Jobs' look. I've been wearing turtlenecks since I was nine. And <laughs> she hasn't. She also has, apparently she used to wear ugly Christmas sweaters and shit like that. Uh, It's crazy. I guess like what is like more impressive to me or impressive or what's fascinating about this to me is um, it became very clear to me that these men were looking into this big blue eyes of this blonde girl paying them attention and they lost their fucking minds. Mm -hmm. It, it like infuriates me that this is possible because these are the people who will tell you that women shouldn't run things. But then the I mean, women have, they give power to the ones where they're like, finally one we can trust. Like it's not even just finally one we can trust. It's that the people, and it goes back to what I was talking about, but what I've talked about before in the podcast with me too, where it's just like all these men who we entrust with the government, the the finances or the running of major organizations can be felled by attention by a gr- <laughs> from a girl. Mm-hmm. And they will make decisions according to how much their dick jumps when a woman walks <laughs> into a room. And they get to be... Henry Kissinger, first of all, is a war criminal. But he was the architect of like the Vietnam war. He's 80 something. He's still well-respected in a lot of political circles. He's, you know, supposed to have brilliant mind. And for him to be the kind of person who's gotten into rooms to negotiate with like foreign, like heads of states and like, you know, for that to be the person who could like fall for, a girl who had nothing to say. It just makes me so angry. It it's makes me so, so no, mad. it's infuriating. Like every single guy who's being interviewed is like, she just had such charisma and she was such a genius. And like, it's like nobody actually knows what the fuck they're talking about. They're like, well, I knew that the engineering was correct, but I didn't know if the science was right. And you're like, you didn't know anything. Well, well time out. If you don't, if you know that the science, you didn't know the science is right. But you know the engineering is correct. That doesn't make sense because engineering is science. They kept being like she was the three intersector of entrepreneur, engineer, and scientist. And it's like, yeah, and each person who thought that they were one of those things like was like, well, I know entrepreneurship and she has it. And I just trusted that she also knew the science. And you're like, no, you didn't. What? Like, she Obviously, she clearly didn't work with scientists. Like, and it becomes clear in the documentary that whenever someone actually – yes background challenged her she fired them or you know sort of moved them demoted them that sort of thing but what's insane to me is like it's not just that it's that like 
my black ass can't walk into nobody's room with dropping out of sophomore year at Stanford, telling them I changed the world and having these investors drop $700 million. Are you crazy? $700 million. With nothing to show for it. With nothing to show for it. That company got to last 11 years, girl. Are you crazy? It's, and in the, like, that Palo Alto region or whatever, where it's, like, or it's near um, Silicon Valley, I mean. Yeah, like, nothing nothing to show. And, you know, this we're in this world where tech seems to think that they have the solution to everything. You know, Elon Musk thinks he's going to fix the world. Peter Thiel, all these billionaires... <laughs> want us to trust them with the future of society. And these are the same people who put up, that company was valued at like $7 billion at one point when she had nothing to show for it. These are the people you want us to trust with the rest of like the, the future of society. Are you crazy? <laughs> Peter Thiel's my favorite because so like I saw that Peter Thiel was said to have said democracy died when women were given the right to vote. And no, then- he definitely, no, I know. So then, wait, so then he was like, I was misquoted. So I go, okay, I'm going to look at the full quote. And he said, representational democracy died when women were, and when women and landowners were given the right to vote. And it's like, or non-landowners, I mean. And I was like, oh, great. That's better. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, much better. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification, Peter. And it's just like so insane that they have this idea where Peter Thiel wants to form the Seastead Floating Island in the middle oh, yeah, of international not, waters. Oh my god. It's and so funny. Just be the purge. And like it became very clear to me um that the hubris is the hubris that it takes to, you know, become a billionaire, I think. The idea that you would sort of invest like in, spend your life um trying to achieve the goal of hoarding money from society is an insane thing to begin with, I think, because the pursuit of a billion dollars is a pursuit that requires the lack of concern for billions of people. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, you can't possibly think that you are entitled to this much of the world's resources and not share and be a forward thinking, kind, good person. Yeah. I money truly- hoarding. Yeah. And so like the fact that we're trying to entrust these people with the future of society and that they're arrogant enough to collect money and profit. She made deals with Walgreens to have that machine, the Edison in the stores. That's the craziest thing without having the product. And they gave her the money. Can you believe that? Just off of vouching among other like rich people, like super wealthy corporation owners. And and that these people would invest so much money and risk the health of their consumers because some girl was ideating in some ivory tower. It's it's mind blowing. It's, it's mind blowing. Yeah, I've been obsessed with this doc and um, who I'm going to now call Elizabeth Theranos, otherwise known as <laughs> Elizabeth. And honestly, if you're talking about the billionaires, this is probably a bad time to announce that I am supporting Howard Schultz for president. <laughs> I know that it's not going to be a popular choice, but, you know, everyone's got haters. He, <laughs> he's the reason that you have a team in Oklahoma, so... Is know, he really? I, I, I'm so ignorant yeah. about even everything that I love. It's really sad. 
No, he and two other owners or two other people were like engineered the theft of the Seattle Sonics, Supersonics to oh, uh, love it. If, we're uh, obviously so for our Seattle new, really hates that dude. For our new listeners, we're talking about Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, my pretty much, I don't know why I got so into sports in the last like few years. I think it's like because I got equally into sports and reality TV, and I think it's just opposite sides of the same coin. I just like needed to relax like in my off in my spare time you know oh absolutely I have not I've had a hard time trying to watch any kind of crime dramas or anything like that since Trump got elected so exactly the way into reality TV and sports as well um, but I don't know uh, and I'm supporting I, Howard Schultz because um, I love a skim caramel macchiato and to me that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Skim? Is that what that's called? Skim? <laughs> skim milk. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it got I like it, skim it. milk no, no, with syrup. Sweet, sweet oh. syrup dumped into it. Slight, sweet syrup. Whipped cream. <laughs> Everybody has a Starbucks order. I don't think I have one. I don't drink coffee enough. I've been drinking. I, like, stopped drinking coffee for a long time because it made me insane. And now I'm just, you know, back into it, back on the horse. But it's like... I- when you can just abuse Adderall. Sick. See, and that's why, you know what, that's what it is. It's like, I was prescribed Adderall, but I stopped taking it because Adderall made me more fucked up. And then coffee, coffee is my middle ground, you know, between being a full cokehead and uh, <laughs> and yeah. just smoking too much pot. Yeah, don't go full cokehead. I you won't. Know, coke is not fun. No, I hate Coke. I always tell people, like, it's really just, like, expensive, probably laced with shit. And the best case scenario is, like, you're, like, happy for, like, 30 minutes and then just, like, really, really sad. Like, it's the dumbest drug in the world. It's so stupid. Um, most of these drugs are pretty stupid. Oh, oh, my God. So, did you notice, did you hear about how... Um, the, the, the Sackler family, who are the, like, people behind OxyContin. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? Yeah, so tell they, me. So, um, I haven't read all of what's going on, but so the Sackler family, um, pushed OxyContin and, um, not only did they push this very dangerous drug, they, who are not engineers, I don't believe, um, walked and like, you know, sort of jumped in and forced the engineering of OxyContin to be more addictive so that they would have returning customers. That's, I saw that. Like, it really, it's just so like infuriating. Like, it's crazy. And they've killed so many people. So, so many, many people. So many people. And so they're, these, all these um, people are doing very sort of cool protests because the Sackler family is like very well known in New York and like very well respected. And so they like, um, they, I think I went to high school with a couple of their kids. Actually, I went to oh my I God. Went, I was the same class as like two Sacklers. Um, but so they have a wing, I think in the Guggenheim, it's called the Sackler wing and they are, their philanthropy goes to museums, which I understand, but it infuriates me too because the Waltons do this as well, mm-hmm. where they don't give a fuck about like poor people or improving society in a great way. They think all they have to do is build a house yeah. to hold pictures and art. Arts and culture. And, 
And so they contribute culturally, quote unquote, so they don't have to be good people otherwise. But yes, so the that's Zachary's, so true. It's like they don't give to like cha- that's so true. It's a certain type of philanthropy. Yes, it's a very specific, and it's the kind of thing they would enjoy. Like one of the Waltons, um, one of the I think they have like five kids right now, five adult ones. That um, one of the women, while Walmart just got rid of the personal greeting jobs, by the way, so old people and disabled people are out of jobs. Oh, good. Great. Um, she gives all of her extra money to museums. So mm. Arkansas is where her family's from. Um, she owns this like insane apartment in the Upper East Side in New York. And she like gives all the rest of her like play money to museums. And the Sacklers do the same. They donate like internationally. I think was it there. So basically the protest happened where um, in the Guggenheim, a bunch of people got in there and I guess climbed to the top of the stairwell in, I think, the Sackler wing, and they all just dropped prescriptions uh, from the ceiling to the floor to protest their opioid, um, their contribution to the opioid crisis, which I thought was really cool, and lots of these things are are happening around, um, you know, museums in all kinds of places, and so I I, I think a place, a museum or whatever, took their name off of the, uh, the... wing or whatever thing they're named after but Good. it's like at the very least like you should be shamed like in society if you've killed millions of people i mean it's insane like it's so yeah, fucked I mean, up i mean so i've greedy. always i also like i've always i do understand the need to pay doctors for their work and you know medical professionals like that is important to me i i understand but the idea that like you can get into medicine or pharmaceuticals to profit masses of wealth is the most immoral thing that I can think of. Medicines, healthcare, prisons. It's just like all of the ways that people just hoard. Now, even like charities, I'm working for this charity now and they told me about how there's like basically this fund that the German taxpayers for that's basically a restitution for Holocaust survivors and then some people who worked at this charity, not the one I'm working at, but this like different, this different like uh, organization, basically created these fake Holocaust survivors. Oh my god! And defrauded, Jesus. defrauded the German taxpayers' money that was supposed to be going towards uh, restitutions towards like survivors. That is in fucking sane. You know, it's just wild, like the greed, like that. I don't know because it's not even like it's, I don't know because there's a certain con artist thinking too that I'm like obviously it comes from a place of greed but it seems to go beyond money like why you do things like this when it gets to such this crazy point you know what I mean where it's like how well, could you be doing something maybe not with like the opioids but no I it is know. I mean it is a, it is a certain thing like I mean there I truly believe like which isn't to say that people who get rich or whatever haven't accomplished anything you know valuable or whatever but it's just like the idea that you individually deserve this quantity of money because you have you're capable of one or the other thing is absolutely ridiculous it's hubris it's it's insane and i do think that there is an a mental thing beyond just greed because you can be rich 
and not con people because mm-hmm. there's legal ways to get rich that are evil that don't require necessarily a con. But like the arrogance of con men is such that while you are stealing from everything and making illegal deals and all this, you run for president and win and still keep conning. That is an insanity. That is insane. That is insane. That's insane. It is is just insane. insane. Like it's the constant grift. It's like they have to, or even like the fire festival guy where like he's in so much trouble and he starts making documentaries about himself and does a new con. It's like, yes, he's like, how are you scamming on bail, bro? Like that's crazy. It's really, really, it's, it's insane. I know. And I think it's because, like, in some ways now, like, people value that or think it's cool when people are, like, doing this grift. Like, we talked about, like, the anti-hero, you know what I mean? Where it's, like, people think that's – and they can – they're just so good at manipulating because they buy their own bullshit, too, in a way. Like, when his girlfriend comes on in the Firefest doc and she's, like – he told me about all this and I just still know that his heart's in the right place. And it's like, oh, God, this is not good. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And what um, I saw, um, I saw this thing uh, or I saw a tweet while I was watching The Inventor with the timeline and it was so spot on. Um, So this black lawyer, she was saying that um, part of why... um, rich people get uh, defrauded so much like investors get defrauded when they invest in, you know, companies like Theranos or, you know, fire festival and stuff like that is because white people are, are taught so much to be skeptical of Brown people that they don't see terrible white people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, like truly I like the fire festival guy walked in talking about like some dumb heavy credit card that he made to be in a club (laughs) called himself like a financial something crazy and they let him keep talking and they gave him their money this bitch elizabeth holmes oh god she told them about a thing called a nanotainer (laughs) a nanotainer a nanotainer bitch like can you imagine that sounds like some shit that was like that captain that Spock found on the original iteration of Star Trek. Like that's not even she talks like a Star Trek like, character too. Here it's in this like, nanotainer, we contain two hundred tests. Can you fucking imagine? Can you imagine if I walked into a room talking about a nano fucking tainer? If anybody would listen to me, are you crazy? Even if you had the machine ready to go, even if you had actually invented I, I, it, they'd be like, I don't believe it. Nope. Nope. It's crazy. It's like, I don't know. It's all, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was this passionate about it, but it makes me mad. I've been nonstop like talking and thinking about it, like, because it really is just crazy. Like the con, the con artist fascinates me in this like sick way, not in the good way, because it's just, you know, I don't know. I can't imagine the stress. I can't imagine. I'm so bad having to like contain any sort of small, problem inside me (laughs) that if I were like running a multi hundred million dollar con you know I think I would just be too anxious I guess me personally truly truly I don't even think that I successfully lie to people (laughs) I feel like a lot of people just let me lie if I'm lying because they are like whatever she needs this lie for whatever reason (laughs) I feel that way so much too (laughs) 
He's like, I'm sick. Oh, why are you late? Uh, you know. And it's they're like, like you know uh, what? She clearly needs this. She's <laughs> yeah. Let's just let her have I'm it. I'm not. Can you imagine? I can't. And yes, you would be anxious because you know how many people you have to keep from finding out about your con while you are out there inviting more people to be conned. That is too much pressure. How do you sleep? She Why wanted the U.S. government there? to be like one of her buyers or something yeah, like the military. She also lied about having military contracts and no one contradicted her. That's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, and so, and like, so I've seen a lot of people talk about, oh, how, you know, it's like, stop focusing on her voice. She clearly changed her voice because <laughs> women aren't respected at as authority figures because of the tone of their voice. And it's like, Fuck you. This is not the time to be feminist about that shit. Not this. Not this one. Because but it's like, it was- even if it, that's it's true, like, that's that's what's funny about it is like she's like imitating society and she like decided like, what's the perfect voice that men want to hear? And it's this like, hello. <laughs> I just can't believe that the patriarchy has taken us to that point. Like, <laughs> And also just like, it's not. It's not the same as me or you trying to avoid vocal fry because some man is not going to listen to us on our podcast, which I don't care about. Vocal fry. But, um, but like, it, this was all a part of a griff she was cultivating. Mm-hmm. This wasn't an isolated incident of a girl at work figuring out the boys don't like her. So she deepened her voice. Exactly. So no, successful. this, is a, this is a person who is carefully crafting. So fuck you. And don't be all white feminist about that one. Sorry. Yeah, well, like, that's I, part of the female con artist thing is the like, uh, you know, men aren't does. gonna assume that you're like doing anything. You know what I mean? Because you like exploit yeah. in some ways this this uh, chink in the armor of like, you know, patriarchy. And, I guess. And additionally, I don't know how they've done it. I truly don't understand. But being a woman is in itself a brand these days. And if you are a woman and you're up to fuck shit and a woman calls you out, somehow it's been that you can be like, oh, fuck you. You don't support other women. Yeah. And that it works. Uh, It really, that's like, it's really hard to like watch that happen too online and stuff because like so much of it gets lost or you're like, God damn it. It's well, I mean, it's like a uh, Roxanne Gay's like a uh, bad feminist where it's like you equate the platform with the movement and it's not true, you know, no. but so many like, people think it is true. Well, so I like, I was talking to a friend and, you know, she was trying to tell me that she was like, you know, making a choice to do something, um, for black women, you know? And I was like, no, you didn't do that for me. You did it for yourself. And that's fine. Just admit that you did it for yourself. Don't make your, you know, individual desire a collective good. That's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because if you can do, if you say that, then you, you are getting people to go along with you over cause it's not actually theirs. And it happens so much, particularly with like white feminists, they happen to be blonde. Uh, <laughs> or not white feminists, but like white public figures that are blonde and fucked up and they weaponize being fragile 
women against other women. Exactly. Like if Ivanka Trump does it all the fucking time. Meghan McCain does it all the fucking time. And it's like, I don't The Meghan to- McCain thing is insane. Like, it really, it's true. Like, it's this very specific type of, like, fragility. Where it's like, I can say all kinds of horrible things. I can, um, I can be married to all kinds of yeah, horrible but people. I'm never the bully you are. Yes. Like, literally, um... Megan McCain is married to some dude who runs the Federalist, which is literally the most racist blog um, on T. Like I got into. If she a heard you fight. say that, she would cry, Ray. She would, she would cry. cry. Joe Lieberman is Jewish. Okay. <laughs> Are you fucking crazy? Are you crazy? Dude, I tweeted this once, but like to my father's everlasting credit, I remember so clearly when Joe Lieberman was like the vice president candidate. I was like. Well, if he won, like we'd like maybe have a Jewish like president or something someday. And my dad was like, "No, not like this." Like, oh, wow. <laughs> my dad was like, "Absolutely not." Like, it okay, can't be Lieberman. He was Al Gore's guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and so she's married to this guy who runs the Federalist. I got into a Twitter battle with him like two years ago. He's blocked me since. Um, <laughs> but and I destroyed him because he on the Federalist. Oh my god, it was that, that guy. Wait. That's crazy. Yeah. That's Megan McCain's husband. That, yes, he's the one who was like, um, they they had a tag on their website called Black Crime, and he deleted it dis, like subtly. Wow. And then when, and then when um, Puerto Rico was having the um, was it a hurricane, and Donald Trump was a fuckhead about it. Yeah. Um, so when that went down, the mayor of San Juan. Or, yeah, the mayor of San Juan, who is a their version of a Democrat, and I think the governor of Puerto Rico is their version of a Republican. And so the mayor of Puerto Rico was, like, shitting on Trump. And um, the uh, uh, Meghan McCain's husband is Latino, but I think he's, like, a white Latino. And his family has political connections in Puerto Rico. And so he was saying all this ridiculous, you know, very conservative, fucked up Republican shit. Mm-hmm. And then he kept weaponizing the fact that he had Latin heritage uh, against people who were criticizing him and Trump. And so he'd be like, oh, so you're going to tell me that I can't speak because I'm the Puerto Rican and you're not. And then so somebody on Twitter was like, well, since we're talking about ethnicities, are you going to delete the point? Are you going to are you going to acknowledge that you deleted black crime for your from your website? Are you going to apologize for it? And I he kept trying to dodge it. And I was like, but are you going to apologize for it? And we just like went back and forth. And he finally just like lost. And then uh, Megan McCain fucked up like a couple like months after that. And I was like, you guys, Megan ain't shit. She's deeply in love with the piece of shit who runs the Federalist or whatever. And that's when he finally blocked me. But it's like, <laughs> Megan McCain gets to go on TV and cry about the black woman's anti-Semitism yeah. when, because she has um, cause she has a guy who was not her actual uncle, but like an uncle to her and uh, cry about anti-Semitism that wasn't even directed at her and take ownership of it while getting to be married to the dude who runs the Federalist and living, having a platform because of the nepotism afforded her by her also racist father who voted against Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Wait, I never knew that actually. Wow. Yes, Arizona. Yeah. And 
I think Arizona and not get called out for any of the connections. Like, cause that's the thing, like to equate anti-Semitism with Israel most benefits the very specific type of white Christians in America who believe that Israel belongs to sort of like the Jews and them, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a type of Christianity that like believes it's, it's insane white evangelical Christianity where they think that for the rapture to happen, the Jews need to be in Israel. But my thing is, hey, it ain't my jam. Believe it, whatever. But when there are sociopolitical costs, we have to evaluate that. And there's crazy shit going down with it. Like fucking this woman in Texas is suing because she got fired from a job as a teacher because in the contract, it said that she to, to have the job, she would have to sign away her right to BDS Israel, which is a boycott, divest, and I forgot what the S stands for. Basically, a Texas, Texas public institution mm-hmm. told this woman that she was not allowed to work there unless she signed a document saying that she um, was, you know, never going to speak out against or boycott or support any sort of resistance against the state of Israel. And that is insane. It is insane. And so when when we're living in a world where that kind of stifling of well it's fascism i mean it's really like it's just like a it's like fascism linking up around the world like right it's just and and for it to work that people successfully can weaponize our own values and morals against us a person like megan mccain who gets to cry because people are anti-semitic while living in the home of a fucking But it's race. even the word anti-Semitic where it's like, you know, you have you have Jews even having a much more, you know, being an American Jew is a really specific thing. And it's like you have Jews on all sides of things, unfortunately, because you have a lot of privilege there with being white, you know, and white functioning and being like a religious minority as opposed to an ethnic minority that also has like, there's just so many different layers to it. And then you have American Jews having these conversations and then you have people like Megan McCain speaking for us and being like, and we're like, no, like, you know, it's really like, I heard this Holocaust survivor talking about Israel and Palestine and he's talking about how, well, you know, you have to understand that like to the Palestinians, like the, Jews there are their colonizers and their oppressors. It's like you have this guy who survived the Holocaust who's talking like that. And then you have someone like Meghan McCain crying about anti-Semitism. You know what I mean? And it's not the same conversations that are happening, you know, and it's just like, it's just frustrating too when they, especially like if her husband's using the language of like movements, you know, because that's what they do too. They reframe and they use the language of the people who have fought Yes, exactly. It totally. It's 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 exactly that where it's like the Republicans just had to condemn just had to condemn Steve King after years of his fuck shit. And Ilan Omar gets the brunt of them and they bad faith make these arguments like I don't know like how it's possible that we even entertained the idea that Ben Shapiro gets to call like Elon Omar anti-Semitic as if he hasn't been 
basically arguing that black people and women that's what's hard to the false like experts to exist yeah what? all these panel people now the false experts in general like why does Megan McCain have such a platform why does Ben Shapiro Literally have a platform she came out of her father's balls it's <laughs> truly what happened she was sired by John McCain no yeah. true and and you know and the thing is and Trump gives her room to get to be all self-righteous and stuff because yes he, exactly he, so easy he's so easy to shit on and he's so obviously in the wrong all the time but it costs you nothing and it gains you everything <laughs> to be the oh my kind God. of people trump is who- to republican like harvey weinstein is to creeps where they're just like hey you know <laughs> i'm no, not as bad as him yeah. you're so right like it, i didn't weinstein anybody that's exactly <laughs> what trump does for republicans you're so right sorry i cut you off yeah that's like it's insane like yeah. Wow. I mean, Megan McCain is just particularly frustrating, too, because it's like you have all these people linking up like Barry Weiss is tweeting like Megan McCain's a war hero like her dad. And, you know, and Megan McCain oh also tweeted. This, so this Jewish guy made this cartoon and oh, then yes, Megan McCain that. tweeted it and goes, this is the most anti-Semitic thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, it's just really, really well, wild. So that- well, the cartoon was um, was a picture of Megan on that clip, basically re- recreating that clip on The View where she cries about the anti-Semitism she's seeing that makes her so upset. And, and what was, uh, isn't it just that Ilan Omar just criticized APAC? Um, yes, but I so I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know anti-Semitic tropes to be honest with you. I didn't even realize the extent to which American anti-Semitism was going well, on because I grew up in New York and most people, most Jewish people, I think live in New York and literally Israel. that's true. Like statistically, I think it's like there's literally more Jews in New York than Israel. Right. And so, um, I guess I wasn't intellectually aware of the peril with like the peril that Jewish people are in a lot of times because in New York, like I went to this ritzy private school, it was called St. Anne's, but it was mostly Jewish, you know, and um, a lot of people have positions of power who are Jewish in New York City. So I just never considered them like a, a separate sort of oppressed class of people. I kind of just thought of them as ethnic white people. Yes, and, exactly. Um, yeah. And it's so, like, it's weird because it's different in like each like place kind of like when I in Oklahoma, it was like. You know, there was small, there was like anti-Semitic things that happened at our synagogue and like small little acts and things like that. But it was like the first time this dude, I'll never forget, this one dude called me a kike and we both like didn't know what the word meant. Wow. You know what I mean? But it's like that doesn't happen with other groups like where it was like I was kind of like, wait, what does that even mean? And he's like, I don't know. We're like, sorry. Like, you know, it was like just very confusing. <laughs> That's so bizarre. You're using slurs you don't even know what exactly. they're for. Um yeah. So but yeah, so like I didn't so I never understood until truly the last election where, you know, the neo Nazis and stuff were getting online and being super anti Semitic. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. So I don't I never learned like the dog whistles and stuff. And if if Jewish people who have good faith, Jewish people on the left are telling me she has valid points, but she trafficked in these dog whistles, which isn't helpful. I get it that I hear dog whistles about black people all the time. I get it. I'm not going to tell them that it's not anti-Semitic. So, like, I don't know 
if yeah, what, it's a tough thing. It's you know, a nuanced like thing, you know, because it's and, especially and, with Israel. Right. So it's like, yes, I, please criticize the political, um, you know, choices of Israel. Do all that. I'm not going to tell you that she wasn't anti-Semitic. If you say she was, then she was. I don't. I can't tell you that. But it was but the what people I, who were saying she was that made yes, me suspicious it was, it in was, the first place. Yeah, it's the it's the weaponizing our own sense of morals against us. Like, can you imagine? It took them years to condemn Steve King, and he's still retweeting white supremacist exactly. people. But the minute Ilan Omar is co- like confronted about, and she apologized. True, she they they made a resolution. That's how the le- the right keeps exactly. like weaponizing our morals against us, and it's like it's so fucked up. You you mean to tell me that Megan McCain, who's she's an idiot, she's dumb, she's not smart, she's, she's not. Dumb. That's the main thing that drives me fucking insane is that she's so fucking stupid. Like it just is Truly. so. I can't even watch the clips. Like it's just. At so least when horrible. Elizabeth, whatever her name was, was on the View, and you know she was the dumb blonde Republican on the View. At least she had accomplished something, which was winning Survivor. At least she's done that. <laughs> Megan McCain hasn't even done that. I mean, it's really it's that's the thing too, to see somebody with absolutely no authority just speak like that's what a lot is happening too, like the talking heads way of like for profit media and just the effect that's accumulating now where you have all these false authority, false experts, people who are driving news stories. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that news cycle became all about her, her and you know and it made like Ilar Omar the aggressor and like just like it it just also exactly you know, like she, the news likes to harp on there's nothing they'd like more than to publicly take down uh all these new uh women in congress course. you know and I want to know if Me- did you see Megan McCain cry about Steve King exactly where were those tears? I just want to know no I never yeah, did no and they didn't nope. cry over Charlottesville when they're literally nope. standing outside of synagogue screaming Jews will not replace us. Like, Do you know that fucking those Charlottesville public schools had to be closed for like three days last week or this past week because these neo-Nazis post that New Zealand shooting were calling in bomb threats to schools in Charlottesville. Yeah. And it turns out to be some like 17 year old white supremacist or whatever. But I didn't see anybody crying about that either. That's what scares uh, me. Like, These kids think it's like there are the ones who are really serious and are being radicalized. And then the people like propping them up who are the kids who like just think it's all a joke or something and yeah. like go along with it. Yeah, I was listening to some podcast about um, it, about that shooting. And they were talking about how. It all started on like 4chan or 8chan and the racism was like joking, sort of like this weird, it already was pretty sick. So I'm not saying this is acceptable, but it was like the generation above this generation was on 8chan making racist jokes because they thought it was funny and they couldn't do it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then it started to slowly become real for people. Yeah, being like, we can't talk anywhere. We're actually oppressed and like yeah. we should fight back yeah. against this and like Yeah. And totally and, radicalize. And that's like crazy. like it's all pretty oh, I think you would find this interesting. I was I don't know what I was listening to. Maybe what's next, one of these slate podcasts or something like that. But they were talking about the most recent Christchurch shooting, which I don't want to get into. But 
she was talking about the rise of sort of like mass shootings and, you know, specifically like pro-white, anti-immigrant, anti-brown, um, anti-women terrorism. And she was saying it was a mistake to refer to these people as incels because the um, the the idea that a man would kill women because they reject him or they haven't expressed interest or that he wants to control women is not a new phenomenon. And when you call them something like incels, it sort of isolates them as not as part of new. the large culture. Yes. And I like... Even like alt-right. I, yeah. Like saying, yeah. yeah. And so like, I do want to like get to the point where we are talking about these things uh, more openly because... I do think that even in my brain, when I know like white supremacy abounds or like patriarchy and misogyny abounds, like even I sometimes I'm like, well, that's not everybody. But it is like we all contribute in some way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like it's true. Like the I and and it is kind of like the example that this woman. I wish I remembered what podcast that it was. But the example that this woman gave was like how that shooting happened at that was it pilates studio or yoga studio in florida yeah. where that guy like he, he just went in there and shot up his ex-girlfriend and like her whole yoga class which was all women it's terrifying and she was like she was like look how quickly it left the news cycle and it's true because we are so accustomed to the murder of women on as a result of a lack of interest or you know sort of extreme misogyny on the part of men that 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 left the news cycle very right anything that's just a risk to women is not a risk to society and can be you know put lower down on the to-do list to things to fix truly we like accept like we accept the abuse of women so it like it is like it is part of masculinity as we understand it societally to abuse women Mm-hmm. And crazy. any man whose masculinity isn't built on the abuse of women is questioned and pressured yep. to abuse women, be homophobic. Yes. It's like, it's, it's so like, I don't know. It's just really disheartening, I guess, because um, it's, it's weird because I'm kind of in this weird bubble, um, although it ends on Monday. But so I've been writing for this TV show that's all um, the writing's rooms is all black women and the sort of self love and uplift that comes from such an environment. Like, you know, that's that um, study that shows that like women, girls do perform better in schools when the classrooms or the schools are all female. Yeah. I truly believe that's true. I didn't go to an all girl school, but um, this all girl writer's room has done wonders for my ability to develop as a writer, to trust myself and my instincts as a comedian and a writer, and the support from other people. It's like There's the ultimate just- validation, like you're not crazy, like all the, because it's not a bubble because you've had to like endure like the exact opposite of that up until this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean a bubble in the sense that like, truly, I only hang out with my friends and go to work at this amazing place with people who I think will be my friends into the future. And it's like, I am not confronted with that kind of uh, that kind of aggressive misogyny day to day. And so to return to it via the news cycle is very 
it's very disappointing. Like it's very it's it sucks. It sucks so it sucks so much because it's like even just men being around changes the but I you it's so crazy how safe I feel in that room. It's in, in a way that I had never considered before. It's like it's it's really sad when you think about it because it's like that's why it's like something that's hard to explain to like the guys who are trying just how it works where you're like you know you're like a nice guy but you still get to talk more than me or like yes. you still get listened more you know and it's like in this weird way now in the way that things are now they're like jealous of us because <laughs> like they think like you know, we're having so much fun and it's like, it's been a real struggle to get here, you know, to get to the point where we're having fun and not just like trying to be in these rooms with you guys. You know? Right. Um, so, and one of the things that like, um, I like been hearing lately is like, look, if they're not going to hire you, just make your own shit. And it's truly like the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. And and like not the only way, but it's the best way, I think, because when you make your own shit because they're excluding you because you're a black or woman, then you get to make it the way you want it, that you can have an all black woman's writer's room. That's what you can do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that because it's like their whole thing. It's like, I shouldn't have to like hire blah, blah, blah. And it's like at a certain point, you just get so tired where you're like, fine, then I'll just like create whatever I want and hire whoever I want because yes. I know what I want. And I don't, it was never going to work for me to like suck up to that. Like, I feel like sometimes I still feel like I've failed in some ways. Like, but then it's like, I just remember that it wasn't ever going to work where I'm sitting there being like sucking up to a male ego really. And that they would oh, actually God. buy it. <laughs> I don't think Can you I imagine? Can you imagine? Like, so, um, I was talking to one of my friends and she was telling me like that on a, she's a black woman. She was telling me that she was the only black woman in some writer's room and um, the writer's guild rep, you know, came in. So every show has like a person that is the contact with the writer's guild, with the uh, the writer's union Mm -hmm. for those who don't know. And, but when you start a new show, the, there's an actual representative from the actual guild that comes and sort of talks to you through what your rights are, like what to expect, that sort of thing. And so she said that randomly in the conversation, I don't remember how it came up, um, that a white guy was like, well, you know, it's really hard to get jobs as a white man these <laughs> They're days. They're saying right? this now. They're saying this. They're saying So my friend told me that she goes, she turns right to the rep and she goes, um, how many jobs are held? Um, how many TV writing jobs are held by uh, white people? And he goes upwards of eighty mm-hmm. percent. And then she just looks at the guy who asked the question dead in his face. Because when you think that you're entitled to everything, eighty percent feels like a loss. Exactly, it does. That's even that's more representation than they have physically in the United States. That's when you start in the United hearing States, the word sixty percent. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like that's when you start hearing the word diversity being used in this way of sort of like now, you know, like, yeah, well, they're looking for diversity. And it's like, well, I can see why, because I'm looking at their staff and it's 13 white people, two women, and nine of them went to Harvard. You know, it, we're still exactly. there. We're still there. Exactly. And they act like that's changing just because now some people are getting their own shows, because that's really how it has to be, too, like 
they keep looking to diversify at the top. And it's like you have to diversify in all areas where it's like you're training people. You know, that's what a lot of people coming up in Hollywood are saying. You have to have PAs, writers, you know, people at all levels who are training other people. That's how you change what the business looks like. Exactly. That's the problem. That's where that's where it goes wrong, because it's like um, so, for example, like if a network pays for a diversity hire um, at entry level, like staff writer. Right. Like, let's say I'm the diversity hire on a TV show mm-hmm. and I'm I have one title. Um, they, if I if I move up in titles and the n- network doesn't want to pay the diversity hire at um, EP level or story editor level, mm-hmm. then that writer's job is gone. Mm-hmm. That and they don't get the promotion. There's so many times. There was this um, long essay that was uh, released I, this week uh, where they were talking about how difficult it is for even with diversity initiatives in Hollywood for black writers and um, lower level black people to acquire the experience to get to be showrunners or top level yeah. co-EPs mm-hmm. and things like that. Because, and it's the same thing that happened with me at Princeton. They think that they let you in and then that's it. You have to actively undo the system because just because you let me in at the entry level doesn't mean that years of the design that kept it white supremacist, like white only, mm-hmm. have changed on the upper level, and you're leaving me alone to navigate it. Yeah, there's in that in that thing they were talking so much about how how many times um, black um, writers or black you know creators don't get promotions like. So if I'm a staff writer and I want to get to story editor, black black staff writers have to do more jobs before they're promoted to story editor mm-hmm. than white people do. Or like, um, yeah, you just get left out of rooms or you promise things and they take advantage of you, like under deliver what they promise you because a lot of things are word of mouth. Or did you even read about that show Smilf? I never watched it. But they, um, this woman, and it's a shame because it was actually a woman showrunner and, co- and creator, but in their writer's room, they had like a separate small room for the black ones. Uh, what? Yes. What? What? So basically from what I understand, I didn't read the full Hollywood Reporter expose, but basically it was like, um, she didn't do it on purpose. It just happened that way, quote unquote, which is also the problem. But it's like, okay, we have our three diversity hires, but we don't believe in them or we don't trust them. And we really only wanted to work with the nine Harvard guys that we wanted to work with anyways. So we split the room into the good writers and the bad writers. And it just so happens that the bad writers are the black ones. (laughs) And the trust comes from that same like Elizabeth Holmes thing, though, where they're like, she comes from a long line of blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like they trust this confidence that comes only from being told your whole life, like, you are this thing. and valuable that, that, that you are entitled to things or whatever. Like, it's really, it's really astonishing. Um, I didn't mean to go on a rant about no, TV. Because but I'm it's, happy, but. it's interesting, though, because it's like, yeah, you hear this, like, I think what it is when they're like, well, it's really hard to be a straight white guy now because it's like if you're honest with yourself and like actually understand like what's going on around you, it's just not something you would be saying like really even in private like because like 
what they're really complaining about is that like their identity has become politicized inherently. That's how they feel. But we've always had political identities. That's how I. Yeah, that's what I feel is like that they are just really not used to and trying to adjust very quickly to the idea that just being who they are is political or is in some ways controversial. People are watching you. And even though people aren't really doing that to them in the same way, just the talk of the identity like now being politicized of being like a straight white guy it's like, and, or maybe them just hearing about it. Cause it's like, people have always talked, you know, but it's like some sort of like, I don't know if it's Twitter or just like, you know, I don't know, but that's, it's like interesting to me because they are, you know, even some guys who appear nice and like tweet liberal and things like that, you'll hear things where like, as soon as you walk away from the conversation, they're like, well, you know, like, I'm just not getting that many gigs, and it's, like, probably because I'm a straight white, and they have that to fall back on, you know? Well, that's because also their agents and managers lie to them. Yes, that too. Because it's like, their agents and managers will tell them, oh, they're looking for a diverse candidate, rather than being like, you didn't submit a funny packet today. Yeah, I, it's interesting, like, I have just really decided to the whole do my own thing because it's that type of thing too where I get really worked up just thinking about who feels like the victim and how it is really hard to like get in there, you know, and how, because it is, it's the, they think that by giving you the foot in the door that they've sort of like welcomed you to the party, but they, but they haven't, you know, when it's this really Mm. kind of half-assed, you know, here, come on in. And also, um, I find that huh, I find that even not only are you getting a half-assed invite to the party, it's like, but you're getting this half-assed invite to the party so long as you conform to what their white supremacist standards are. Right, which is not like, talking about it too much, but like enough yep. where they can sort of feel in on the joke and like. Yep. 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 And. Uh, I found, so one of the writer's rooms I was in had a black dude in it, as well as me, and um, already male male privilege is there, like men get along with men better, um, like so if there's a black woman and a black dude around, chances are the white people in power are going to gravitate toward the dude, um, and then I found that that particular dude was setting up his blackness in contrast to mine. And mine became the very sort of aggressive Brooklyn black bitch kind of. And I wasn't aggressive, I don't think. But it became very clear to me that if I wanted to be successful in that particular space, that I was going to have to reject certain parts of me. And there was the example of the right kind of way to be black so that they were comfortable and they sort of like that person leaned all the way into it, sort of presenting himself, in my opinion, in contrast to me as his version of black is the more acceptable one. And they loved it. They love him. They love him. And I, and I don't have relationships with those people except for like two. And it's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Well, they don't want too much to be called into question. It's the same way where they say, I'm not Trump, I'm not Weinstein. Like, in liberal spaces, they it's like this, you know, 
I'm safe, I'm one of the good ones. And it's sort of used as a shield to not bring anything else into question. And then any person they can use, like, you know, and it's like, they'll be the same people like criticizing Hillary. And it's like, it is something you should criticize, but it's like, you're doing it too, using people as like props. And like, it's just like something you have to be wary about. And that's the thing too, if you don't, if you quote unquote accidentally separate your writer's rooms and it's segregated, how do you not have the frame of mind to look at that and immediately go, holy shit. Like, yeah. Well, also Frankie Shaw is apparently a psycho. So she did a lot of other insane shit. Like, um, one, she's being investigated right now, actually. And so they canceled the show. (laughs) Yeah. Because, She's being investigated for discrimination <laughs> by the state of Massachusetts, which is fucking oh, hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, That's and, like, and I just had not heard about this Smilf drama. <laughs> yes. So I was clueless too. And then, you know, now that I'm like on the West Coast and, you know, TV writers talk, that's what everyone's talking about. Because the show just got canceled maybe like two weeks ago. And um, not only was she in trouble for that, she was also in trouble because they they they're accusing her of like sexual misconduct because there was one of the actresses it was in her contract that she wouldn't do nude scenes and Frankie Shaw apparently pressured her to do one anyway and I don't know what that's about and also um there's this thing that happens curves everyone who works in Hollywood's a fucking perv it's so bizarre and um and and also the big thing that she's most in trouble for, from what I understand, is that uh, she uh, the, there were people doing a sex scene on the show. And usually when there's a sex scene happening, it's a closed set. So um, <laughs> basically you have the people who are shooting. Yeah, yeah. It's have, like really right. small. Yeah. Yes. And she made them turn on the monitors. I for just no like... That type of shit, like, it's so, that's where Hollywood really scares me. And, like, that's why I don't think I could have ever been, like, an actress. Because they're basically, like, show your tits, give up control, or else, like, you know, everyone wants, like, so much power. Like, oh, uh, God, even the fucking female showrunners, like, it's just, like, insanity. Like, the well, abuse. Also, like, you also have to think about, like, Frankie Shaw, I don't think, like, came up the ranks. I think she, like, wrote a movie and got that made. And and then, you know, she sort of had a lot of goodwill and some good writing. I heard the show was actually good. Too bad she's a psycho. Um, but, uh, but you also have to consider that the women who come up in these systems are probably internalizing and performing yes. the massage they've received you know it's the only thing they've ever seen like reflected to them for like people in power like until they start getting into it yeah it's like i mean it's so you know it's sort of like the parent who the people who have an alcoholic for a parent some are teetotalers and some become junks themselves so it's like yeah if your dad is a racist sexist piece of shit showrunner you might do the exact opposite or you might just learn to perform that kind of behavior yourself oh my god smilf drama yeah i did not i was not aware of all the smilf smilf is out of the militia yeah smilf is out of the militia (laughs) sorry yeah (laughs) that's really bad (laughs) it's all this kind of it's i don't know being a girl blows sometimes but 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 what's the butt? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I actually don't have a butt. I was trying to find a <laughs> way that like being a girl didn't suck. 
Um, and it kind of sucks just all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> well, actually, but I never it. mind. No. I was, it's crazy because this is what happens to us. Like, I'll tell myself every day or like every time I go to a party, I'm like, we're going to be like positive and we're not going to just like start, you know, going off about things. But it's like, this is just who I am. I'll be like at a party like, and you know what's fucked up is that gynecology is so fucking sexist that they can't <laughs> even invent anything better than that fucking misogynistic duck clamps or whatever. Like, and then people are like, okay, it's 930. <laughs> I've had one drink, you know, <laughs> I can't just please yeah. chill. Yeah, it's like, and it sucks because it's like, it shouldn't be no fun to talk about things that are true, but it is no fun to talk about things that are true. That's true. Well, that's how it's like, it's weird because when we were talking earlier about the Sackler family and the Oxycontin thing and how the way to get to them is disrupting their fun in a way, which is like fucked up because that's the only way you can get to these people because everything's supposed to be so polite and it's like you know, we're not supposed to talk about certain things. And it's like, now we all know so many people who have like OD'd and like, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's so frustrating that when you're trying to get to the root cause of it, people, I mean, it really goes back to everything we've talked about. Like, it's just people have been constantly just obscuring facts and like, you know, and it's all these people saying these things where I'm just sitting at home going like, am I crazy? Is everything crazy? Is this how it's always been? Has it gotten worse? Like, I'm Mm. not sure. And I think it's just kind of all of it. Everything's getting better and worse all the time at the same time. Uh, yeah, truly. It's really crazy. It's like, um, yeah, you know, there's like, like, obviously I was and I'm intellectually aware of income inequality. Like, I'm very aware of it. Um, but in L.A., man, I'm aware of it in a way that I've never been before. Mm-hmm. Because, one, I have money. Uh, so that makes my life a little different. So I have a different vantage point. I didn't have a lot of money in New York. Um, no, nah, I'm not rich. Just I have, I'm comfortable. And... Um, it's LA, money you've it, gotten from your work. It's like, you know, you don't need to apologize. Like, oh, for I, like oh, or not I, I apologize. No, you didn't. You didn't. I mean, I was just thinking like sometimes where, I was just thinking about that woman who tweeted at you about the Princeton thing where it's just like insane of like. Oh, yeah. Know. Sorry. But like, but yeah, like I'm 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 doing fine. Um, but I also am literally the exception, even within my own family. So me as evidence of some kind of systemic anything is ridiculous. But, um, uh, yeah. So like in New York, um, you, you, it's kind of like New York is full of wealth in a certain kind of way. And even though it's full of that kind of wealth, most of New York sort of feels like everybody's New York, right? Like if I'm in, uh, Brooklyn Heights, it doesn't feel like even though that's a very nice neighborhood, it doesn't feel like I'm the poorest person around if I'm there, right? But if I go to the Upper East Side, for example, then I feel like dirt. But that's only the Upper East Side. I don't think I feel like dirt walking through most of, you know, New York. Mm-hmm. But in LA. in LA, there is a stark, like the segregation in terms of economics and race is so stark that 
I'm more aware of it than I've ever been. It'll and because LA is so bright and pretty and sunny, the contrast of these like dirty tent cities of homeless people that the government hasn't figured out how to help is astonishing. And uh, everybody is has just accepted it almost. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, there's a homeless tent city over there, and I'm just gonna walk past it and 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 they become ornamental to some mm-hmm. degree, like people who are suffering are ornamental in this town. Like at least, you know, New York is not good to its homeless people, but it's better than LA is. And like in New York, like, and I think weather has a lot to do with it. Like they're not going to let you sleep in the snow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know a LA people are like, they're camping. It's nice out. Ca- yeah, exactly. And I think that's why a lot of people come here where like homelessness here is probably not as bad in, if you're the actual homeless person physically upon you and, you know, finding shelter and stuff is probably a little easier in the outdoors here than it would be on the East Coast. But like, but then they're ignored and just, yeah. And like the fact that there are liberal people who have cachet in this city, but use their liberal sort of and economic influence to make it so that the zoning is such that you can't build homeless shelters in certain neighborhoods. These are liberal people, you know, what? Wow. Yeah comfortable like living like this like because they're fine walking by a tent city but they're not fine walking by a shelter with homeless people outside of it well they don't walk by the um oh the tent city can't be in their neighborhood anyway either way yeah and they just drive by them i walk by some small camps and stuff on my way to work occasionally and there was like it's just like it's horrible and I, I, it's just I don't know this country is just so great and like so wildly capitalistic and I'm not like out here on my socialist shit I don't have any bona fides that way like don't get me wrong I really like ordering food every night I love that but it's just astonishing like when you're sort of an adult and like engaging f- truly with the kinds of things people are comfortable letting happen so that they can have fun like you said is insane the fact that people that a lot of people own private jets when there are people who don't have homes in this country is insane yeah it's the and like you said the like the money hoarders are spending their philanthropy to enrich their own arts and culture and the aesthetic of this world around them that has you know everything money can buy essentially and then not really actually spreading it to where people could eat and have shelter and water most of all yeah right like it it is truly like and you know a lot of people are like and I kind of agree to some degree that like you know we shouldn't you know celebrate you know black wealth or whatever, like a lot of people are like, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z or Oprah and whatever. And I think there's a conversation to be had there. But the way that political power in this country has been consolidated, it has been white and wealthy. And for black people to have the power to affect change, they need to have the political wealth and the political power. And I think that, you know, people like Jay-Z and Beyonce are making good use of it. But do I think that we should all be trying to become black billionaires to fix things no we should be stripping billionaires of their billions is what we should be doing um it's just so fucking fun it's just like i don't know i'm on a rant i haven't uh 
done anything and I haven't even smoked pot today. <laughs> no, I love no, seriously. It's like this is like this is why I love when we talk because it's like I just like talking about these things, but it's not a lot of people don't always want to talk about it and I get that and I just hate that I'm not like it's like at a certain point like you say when you're just looking around you and just being like there's so much deeply evil shit I think a lot of people are just like you know you can't just shut it out at a certain point but I'm trying to balance it with being at parties being like yeah so like you know speaking of child abuse I'm really glad you brought that up you know like (laughs) trying to find like a middle ground like yeah, well, we lost Barbara Streisand. Uh, oh my God! R.I.P. Um, you said Brooklyn you tweeted you. Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> you said we lost a Brooklyn legend or something. Yeah, because okay, so Barbara Streisand. Uh, so the Leaving Neverland documentary about Michael Jackson came out, and it was like somebody saved Chuck and Wade Robson, who um, detailed sort of their experiences as like like Michael Jackson's like abuse victims. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot happening there. I haven't watched the documentary, but I am aware of what happened. And I totally believe he touched those kids. Like I never didn't. Um, I think it's just people sort of having to confront and engage with the magnitude of what he did because these boys are fucked up. But, um, or they're men now, but they're fucked up. Anyway, so Barbara Streisand a psycho, apparently. I mean, wow. Wow, Did Barbara. Did you know that that was what Barbara was hiding up in that noggin of hers? Did you know that? I had no idea. Here's the thing. You never know with divas whether it's like sexist talk or whether they're actually as fucking insane as you've like heard, you know? And I had heard she was crazy, but I did not suspect. I knew she was crazy because, you know, there was that thing called the Streisand effect. I can't remember what the... (laughs) was but it's called the Streisand effect because someone started a small rumor about her I think maybe that (laughs) her house was going something about her house I don't know something they started a rumor she went so insane trying to sue this person for defamation that the rumor none of us heard became so well known spread yes because she attacked it so aggressively so it's called the Streisand effect but basically (laughs) Barbara Streisand said Michael Jackson's accusers were, quote, thrilled to be there. And his, quote, sexual needs were his sexual needs. She called pedophilia his sexual needs. That is insane. Then she goes, you can say molested, but those children both married and they both have children, so it didn't kill them. What, bitch? It's actually... the. The leaps that people's minds make, like, you know, it's like the Woody Allen thing. It's like the leaps that people make to, like, reason or defend the person that they knew that they liked or that whatever it is. And to just say something like that about child victims, the, I just cannot believe. I also think that these celebrities are just totally disconnected from the world. Like, I feel. I, I get that. Not to I excuse her. Like, yeah, I know. get that. I get that they're disconnected from the world. That's a thing I've learned out here. Actors are crazy. Yeah. And um, they're, I think they're crazy for pursuing it. I enjoy that they do. Don't stop. Um, <laughs> but they're crazy for pursuing it. And the things that it takes for them to be successful will make you crazy if yeah. you weren't crazy already. So I understand that, you know, people who have done the kind of or lived the kind of lives that Barbara Streisand 
live, go nuts, and they're detached. But there is nothing in the world that should make you so inside a bubble that you're cool with your friend fucking a child. Exactly. That's never going to be. And you say the kid's fine. The kid's fine now. Are you fucking crazy? It's just absolutely just insane. And like, wow. Are you fucking crazy? Are you crazy? Yeah. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? There's a YouTuber who fucked his cat. He also said something about pedophilia. Who? This so like there's this dude Shane Dawson who's like whenever there's someone who's like a like YouTube famous, I'm always like that's the only time I'm I feel like disconnected. I'm like I don't really know any YouTube famous people, and. But, like, so he, I guess, like, did some... He has, like, millions and millions of fans. And he, like, followed the Headless Women of... Or he did a video about the Headless Women of Hollywood, but didn't mention my project specifically and didn't mention me by name. So a bunch of people started tweeting at him, like, you have to give her credit. So then he, like, just shared the video with, like, me tagged and stuff and, like, started following me and, like private messaged me and was like I'm really sorry and I was like it's okay you know whatever I just didn't care I was like that's shitty but whatever and then he did eventually give me credit whatever that's so whack so then all of a sudden I get on Twitter and so like I'm I followed him back so we like follow each other but I like didn't think about it (laughs) all of a sudden I see this tweet from him that's like that was way viral. Like, I'm sure you saw it. That was like, I the did not fuck my dream. cat. Yeah. He's like, I did not fuck my cat. I did not come on my cat. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> Who is, is really this pretty. guy? Like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is that guy. And then- I truly went to the beach and came back and opened <laughs> Twitter. And we were all talking about a man fucking a cat. In LA it was Twitter. Shit. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Like, <laughs> By the time that LA wakes up, we're already talking about people cat fucking. That's insane. It was so then I like I was like I googled like Shane Dawson cat and I'm like why as I was doing it I was like this is a dark place you know I felt like I was going <laughs> onto the dark web or something I'm like what am I doing, and it turns out this guy has said all this crazy shit like about how. You know, he talked about, like, following some six-year-old on Instagram was, like, I know you're not supposed to say it, but, like, she's hot. Or, like, just really crazy, like, edgelord, quote-unquote, like, fucked up shit. And then one of them was... gay? I think, yes, he's gay. So then, like, and then he talked about, like, it was just, like, weird, like, you know, it's, it was, and apparently he had said really racist things, too, which I hadn't heard about. And then he said this stuff about... Um, you know, coming on his cat. And like And that's the one he apologized for, not the other stuff. I think what he did one apology I don't think he apologized for the racist stuff. And then um he was Did he like, apologize for that weird pedophilic joke? But he apologized for the pedophilic joke. And then he got married like two days after yeah, the cat I thought that, thing. I thought that that was like his solution to the bad PR. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure he loves his husband, but did you see their photo? They have this like psycho look in their eyes. <laughs> like, I... also, like, I will never love anyone enough to get married to cover their pedophilia. That jokes. was my like, thought. I I'm not b- helping you bounce back. Fuck you. <laughs> what do you do if you're like dating somebody for like? three or four years, all of a sudden they're in a public scandal for coming on their cat. 
Because, like, apparently what this guy used to do was go on podcasts, like, five or six years ago and just, like, quote-unquote try and be as edgy as possible. So, of course, just be, like, one of these dickheads saying, like, these horrible, like, racist and all sorts of things. And I would then, never have dated that person in the first place. I think is the answer, to be honest with you. And then, okay, like, so you've been forced into an arranged marriage with this person. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Sounds more accurate. Go ahead. Yeah, but it's just, like, crazy to think. So it's, like, but no, like, even if it's something different, but, like, I always think about, like, if someone you're with is, like, you know. A fucker. Yeah, and it's, like, you're, like, committed to this man, and then all of a sudden he has, like, a public breakdown, and then it's, like, marry me. I would be, like. No, I'm not getting married. Oh just, like, if you. Just like if you cheat on me or you get caught stealing and you're a public official, I'm not going to do this good wife bullshit with you. That's what it is. I, it's the good wife thing. Not I. Listen, I can do bad all by myself. <laughs> and truly, like, I'm, I'm embarrassed and anxious about myself in my own body all day, every day. Now I got to watch out for you two. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm out here not trying to fuck up. I'm out here trying to not say the wrong thing. Then there's you whose whole brand started with you saying the wrong thing. We're not going to. No, I'm not. No, (laughs) it is like astounding to me. People's like willingness to be sort of like publicly dragged through the mud, like for their partner. But then at the same time, I think like, what are they supposed to do? Leave them very publicly in that moment? I would leave you. If Try we and keep are, it private, yeah. No, on God, swear to God, I I've never been in a long term relationship, so maybe I'm speaking uh, like as someone who hasn't had the sense of love and commitment that these two people have had. But there is nothing about me that will love somebody enough to marry them the day after they tweet about not <laughs> fucking their cat to correct the record on whether or not they fucked their cat. There's no way. No way. Oh, my God. So we've lost now the equally iconic Shane Dawson and Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> To cancel Un- culture. Like, to unfair cancel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. First of all, can you imagine actually trying to cancel Barbara Streisand? I know. Burning my Yentl laugh. DVDs. <laughs> just, yeah, she would just laugh at us is what would happen. I She'd know. be like, mm, I'm 20 years away from death anyway. <laughs> I have a mansion. Who cares? It's just like, I just was so shocked because I've, I mean, on the one hand, She's the only one being that honest about it, right? Where it's a lot of people, she, yeah, talking privately, saying shit like that, but not public. Or like, and even not that this, not that these are props, but it's like, um, she's the only one admitting that she gives more of a shit about Michael than she gives a shit about the victims, because people are too greedy to admit that that's what's happening, right? They'll deny that an abuse happened, um, that you know. Or they just, you know, don't address that there are victims at all. Right. She, she's here. Yeah, being they like, do this language of like, I totally feel for like the people affected. Like, yeah. yeah. But she just was like, I mean, basically the crux of her point is, yeah, that nigga did that shit, but they enjoyed it. So they're good now. I'm not worried. That's what she said, insane. basically. It's an insane thing to say, but it's the truth, I think. And I think that that's a lot of people's truth. And 
I'm I'm upset that it's possible that that's true, but I think to some degree it's true for me too. Like I didn't stop listening to Michael when I first heard about the allegations. I think that that's what's happening to people, most people to some degree. Um, but for someone to so comfortably not give a shit about victims and someone with such a prominent position is astonishing to me. It's just, it's really real. That's what's interesting with like all of this access to like celebrities where then you're like, just see these people and then they say things that you're just like, wow. Like I met this kid from Glee. I, I haven't wanted to talk about this publicly, like, because it was just so crazy, but I, it's just, you meet, I like whenever you meet a celebrity, if they do talk to you, you just realize really quickly that they're insane. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, oh, you're fucking... Not-. There are some, like, you know, like, I haven't met very many, but, like, they're, they're like, you know, like, Alana Glazer is super nice or whatever. Like, you meet some people but, who are, like, maybe newer famous, I guess, in comedy. But, but then, also, like, Alana actors is like, are crazy. <laughs> Every actor like, is, is insane. <laughs> yeah, Alana is a great... But what's so great about Alana is when she came up doing the comedy grind like all of us, she wasn't just this beautiful woman who became an actress and like had all that weird, you know, she's she's got more than enough reasons to be grounded, you know? Um, And then you meet like, like, yeah. (laughs) But like there are people who are truly insane, like like uh, truly insane. And I'm not even in a place where I'm meeting the the most famous actors or like the richest ones. I'm like meeting Same, people yeah. who aren't famous I'm meeting like people that. From like the people cast who aren't half of me. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if y'all are like this, then oh then my what God. are they like? Then you start to understand why Beyonce has to film herself twenty four seven and why that's not even weird. It's like I feel like you'd get to a point where you just are this like it's like you're like a demigod or something. I don't even know what yeah. that would feel like. You know what I mean? The power that that would come with. Like, you it, basically walk it, into a room and the air leaves the room. No, it's really crazy. Um, because uh, I was watching uh, this summer uh, that uh, Michael Jackson documentary like that came out after he died. Um, this is it. Mm-hmm. And um, there... So he looks awful. Like he looks terrible. Like he was yeah. way too thin. He was like very clearly sick. Like he was way too thin. He looked fragile. And even though he was like hitting moves and stuff, he looked unwell. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, he had these like, you know, dancers, choreographers talking to them. He was, you know, Michael Jackson. He was the person who the show was for whatever. So it blew my mind because there was a moment where he's in a circle of dancers and he's telling them what the moves are. You got to move like this, pop, 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 whatever. He's literally, his wrist is like the size of my vape pen and his skin is white as hell. And he's had every surgery possible. His wig looks insane. And nobody said anything about it because they, because he's Michael Jackson. Can you imagine? Like, and like, Truly, he is a very, he was a very sick, disgusting man. And like, because he was who he was, no one was ever going to say that. 
That's mind blowing. I cannot imagine that kind of celebrity. I never want to be on camera. If that's what happened, where you become so successful, people are so dependent upon your money that you get to abuse children in private and that's already crazy, but you go out of your way to disguise that. I mean, he groomed the world basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but so let's say that you're, um, grooming the world to accept your abusive children by like, you know, covering up with these like children's charities and stuff like that. Fine, Michael, that worked, but we can all see your fucking face. We all see it. We all saw his face. We all saw his face and nobody told him to stop. Mm-hmm. Nobody in a circle. It's crazy. I mean, it's great. Yeah, they'll <laughs> literally let this person they worship die first before, like, before they telling them. Yeah. Alienating. And, and I just, although I will admit that when Ted Danson came to the Good Place Writers Room, I did lose my mind. But no, I'm quite cool on the outside. to it. Like, that's the thing. Yes. Like, and the thing is, I think that if Ted Danson had done something truly offensive, no matter, even if he was Ted Danson, you would have probably, well, I mean, you know. he did do that blackface in, like, the 90s. No, I mean, like, uh, to you, though. <laughs> or, oh, like, yeah. not, or, like, around you, or, like, you know, like, if Ted Danson, yeah. like, hit a woman in front of you, I don't think you would have, like, not said anything just because no, he's no, no, Ted no. Danson, That's not, you know? I would definitely, and I would tell everybody that story as well. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, he's a piece of shit. But he, he was a wonderful delight. But it was so funny because I never thought of myself as the kind of person who perks up when a celebrity walks into a room, yes, right? Yes, but, but then certain people, yeah. And and especially since he's like, he wasn't the first or biggest celebrity that I would met, but I like him. So when he walked into the room, oh my God, my, my posture straightened. <laughs> I laughed in ways like, you know, like I'm not the girliest girl. I'm certainly not a girly girl in the way that is like intentionally designed to attract men the way that some women are, which is no shade. It's just not me. I was doing those girly girl things. My friend called me. I was like, oh, Rafa's laughing a little differently. <laughs> I was like, and then I caught myself. I was like, <laughs> and everything Ted Dance was saying. <laughs> So I'm like, if it could happen at my job, like I was at work and he is on our show, like (laughs) it shouldn't have happened to me, but it did. And so I, I'm astonished that it happens to the extent that it did, but then it happened to me. So I guess it's a, it's a real phenomenon. I just, Oh, totally. Yeah. If I knew a man was fucking children, I would. That's where I get lost. It's like I totally get the enabling power of like being a celebrity, but I still have this disconnect between how it goes so far. But then it's like I also get it because you have his circle of enablers, which, of course, are very powerful. And then you have all the people outside of them who are like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? And I'm like, I guess I've been one of those people a lot. We knew about the Louis rumor for like 10 years. But when I met him, I was still excited to meet him and like hoped those rumors weren't true. And when it was confirmed, I was like, I immediately believed it, though. That's like it's the denial after the like obvious fact, too. There's so many different stages to it, I guess. Like, you know, no, it's totally true. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people and this is like so obvious, but the reluctance to believe victims is sort of like a fear of having to interrogate yourself. Like, exactly. Did I let slide? Um, what, what are my doubts that yeah. I care more about this music than this person? You know what I mean? 
Um, or just having it be easier to like not hear certain things when like yeah. somebody tells you something and then later they're like, hey, I told you that thing about that guy. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry that I guess I didn't really take that to heart in that moment. Like I've gotten better about that as I got older. But I think that when I was younger, you know, when girls come to you with things, it's like we all are kind of like, well, I don't know what to do. Right. You know? And it's still hard to that's like that's kind of the hard thing about it and how why this like keeps going is that it's hard to do something. And then when you do like it's hard to do it because it's it, that's why these people get away with it for so long, too. It's all this whispers. It's whispers. And then also this is what I found. Um, the fact that victims are alive complicates things. Not that I want victims to be dead. That's not what I mean. But the fact that victims are alive. Ooh, this is a Muslim Bill Cosby moment. Everyone's gonna oh, hear. Oh God! <laughs> Everyone's gonna tweet at me, and I'm gonna have to defend for a week. <laughs> what I, what I mean is that, um, so the perfect example of this is like I have a person who I think is a friend. I would call her my friend. She um, told me this story about a guy who had hit her, and. Um, so I basically decided to like, I'm like, I don't fuck with that. I don't mm -hmm. talk to this dude. I'm not going to talk to him no more. Like he's a woman beater. And I had heard of other incidents in which he was like hitting women too. So I just stopped fucking with the dude. But the woman who, um, who told me her story directly is his friend again. Right. So it's like, that I'm, happens I, a lot too. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I still won't talk to him. Like I don't like him. And that's just what it is. And I, um, I stopped talking to him because her story gave me enough reason, but I probably wasn't like super tight with him anyway. It wasn't a big loss on my behalf, but it's like, it feels silly to me inside my head a little bit to be like, Oh, why aren't you talking to so-and-so? Oh, because the person he's still very tight with said he hurt her. Totally. That sounds crazy. And That's so that complication happened, yeah. exists as well. That's um, a long-time complication. Yeah, people yeah. forgive their abusers kind of like either All for the themselves or just because yeah. that's what the system like pressures the them to do. Yeah, that's the psychology of it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to hold it against her that she's still friendly, but I can't also fight harder for you than you fight for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I definitely get over-invested. It's what? hard to know. That's what's hard. It's hard to know the line of like, you know, because then also it's like sometimes people tell you stuff and you're not really supposed to tell other people, but people will kind of and they're like, you know, why don't you fuck with this person? And I have to be like, well, he's a creep or something. And then they're like, what? Prove it, you know, and you're like, yeah, well, now I'm more involved. Tell somebody else's story. Yeah. Exactly. And I, now I'm more involved than I wanted to be. But I also don't want to be a hypocrite who's just nice to these men who I know do bad things, you know, so I like it ends up kind of being like case by case with these guys but the main thing is is that I always encourage people to like tell me because you just the you just keep an eye on them it's hard when I feel like sometimes people hope that I can do more than I can but it's like I really don't have any power to get these guys out of here or punish them yeah. in any way all I can do is keep an eye on them warn other women you know that's it. And then that's why they get so mad. Like, you know, women literally get slandered for our whisper mills, like, or get sued, you know, for slander. Yeah, they get for, sued, for and, sure. But then it's like, that's the only thing we can do because I can't make a public accusation unless I'm the victim. Mm -hmm. And then I also, you know, 
if I open talk, yourself up to all kinds of shit. Yeah, and I get the defensiveness because it is hard when someone says, "Hey, you know this person? Like, well, I heard this story, and you're kind of like, well, what's the story? Like, everyone's first instinct is like, well, what's the story? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, and it's like, it's a really hard thing too because there's of course different levels to it, and we all understand that, and you only have these other people who are trying to obscure things, going like. He's no Harvey Weinstein or, like, whatever, you know, but it's just, like, hard because you're, like, you know, I can't, I, I can't always know how to react, I guess. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it's really hard. Like, all this is That's hard. Why, None yeah. None yeah. of this is easy. I mean, like, if we could get rid of them, we would have. You and know what I mean? And if that's the bar comic, you know, if that's the comic who's, like, you know, barely doing shows in, like, Philly yeah. or whatever, then yeah. how much power does Michael Jackson have, you know? Like, yes. to control people to not say things even once it goes along the level of being confirmed. Because I, I mean, think this it's, nigga yeah. convinced and truly, have you seen me abducted in plain sight? I haven't been able to watch it because it's just, like, I haven't watched a lot of these, like, documentaries that have come out because it's just, like, you know, hard. Like, I'm t- that's why it's fucked up, but it's, like, I come home and I don't watch, like, things. I just, like, turn off and watch, like, Vanderpump Rules or sports. Of course. Yeah, of course. But, you know, um, you know how I'm the true, the true crime gal. Yeah, I just count uh, on you to give me my Dateline story so I don't have to watch them so you can just tell them well, to me. This is something I noticed and it's true and I don't know if that I don't know what it is, but truly I have not been able to consume true crime in the same way since my antidepressants started working. Interesting. So your yeah. true crime was like your depression blanket. I think so. I think it was like it was just kind of um oh, this is why I this is why this is what I think it is. Obviously it might just be the chemicals in my brain working differently, but um, so I, I, even when I was obs- more obsessed with true crime, um, I never liked the like random stories or like serial killers or break-ins or whatever, because those terrify the fuck out of me. Yes. Random things. You can't control them. And I think I like shows the like boyfriend Dateline. boyfriend killer. For- yes. Because then it's like, I relate to that. oh, yes, this affirms the world that I'm in. Right. It sort of is like. Oh yeah, you are imperiled because you're a woman. Nothing scares me more than random acts of violence. Yeah. Yes. So it's like it's like okay, Dateline made me feel like somebody else was seeing what I was seeing. Even when Dateline is usually just white women victims, there will be. It's so bizarre, but I would get so excited when the victims (laughs) on Dateline were black women because I was like, oh, they're talking about it. We do get killed too. I see myself here. It kind of made me feel like. Of course, that makes sense going back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, you know, who gets to be like seen as victims? Yes, exactly. And so uh, Dateline kind of makes me feel like everything I'm thinking is not fake because the world likes to gaslight you. Like women are overreacting by even being annoyed by being catcalled, you know? So that's (laughs) what's happening. But like now that I'm not as sick as I was last year because I'm on meds, um, I don't need to have my terror of the world affirmed through this kind of morbid storytelling because I'm in the world that I'm in with my brain chemicals doing this thing where it wants me to be happy and try to be, I guess, more positively engaged with the universe. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) 
isn't it? So I don't want, like, it feels so weird to on purpose put murder in my ears now. Mm-hmm. Although I did just watch Dateline this morning. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I watch it every Saturday morning. because like, Friday. now I'm not depressed. Now I watch it in the morning. Yeah, now I watch it in the morning and don't run home on Friday night to watch it. Um, but, uh, yeah, why did I bring that up? I forgot why I, was, I mentioned that. Um, Wait, we were talking yeah. about the, ca- yeah, true crime. Fuck. And the um, the one documentary on Netflix. The, oh, like, yeah, Abducted in Plain Sight. Yeah. So um, I watched Abducted in Plain Sight because everyone who told me about it was like, it's crazy. And obviously, you don't want a story about the repeated molestation of a child to be a crazy kind of thriller. Yeah. But it was. Mm-hmm. Because um, the... Uh, do you care if I spoil it? No, spoil please. Spoil listeners. Spoil if you understand. Um. So basically, um, it's about this, I don't remember what city it was. It's like in small town, middle America. It's a Mormon family. And basically, this man who's a member of their church, although the documentary doesn't focus too much on the Mormonism, but I think Mormonism has a lot to do with the leeway that this person got. Yeah. This we'll guy, talk about, like, yeah, they have absolute trust in, like, each other yeah, and their community, and yeah. it just goes wrong so many times. Exactly. So that's basically what happens here. But what gets me is, or what is very curious about this, and Michael Jackson made more sense to me after the I watched Abducted in Plain Sight, because truly, this guy was just their neighbor. They didn't even know him like that. He just became best friends with their daughter. And Jesus, them. He had sex with both parents just wow. so that he could have access to their daughter. And they he kidnapped their daughter. The parents did not report him. They he didn't even kidnap their daughter like, you know, discreetly. He asked to take their daughter horseback riding or something, and they let him even though he has children of his own of his own that he didn't bring along with him and that girl to that horseback riding trip, quote unquote. Wow. He has this girl for weeks. It took them two days to even call the FBI to get their daughter back. Um, and I don't know why he wasn't in jail. I don't. I can't remember exactly why he wasn't in jail. But he was allowed to return to the neighborhood. And the FBI specifically told these parents not to engage with that band. And the mom was still fucking that dude after he kidnapped uh. Daughter and married her daughter. It is just and, astounding. And the father, while not still sleeping with him, I don't think, still allowed that man to sleep in his daughter's bedroom every night. That is so sick, dude. Like, that's this fucking crazy. This man wasn't any wealthier than they were. He wasn't any kind of celebrity. There wasn't anything special about him. They just, I think, because they were sort of these repressed kind of virginal um, Mormons, the father is clearly gay 
and had these desires answered by this awful man who I see assess that very quickly. And this woman who probably knew her husband was gay and like didn't have any sexual fulfillment, but was getting satisfied by this creep who was only fucking her to get to their daughter. Their minds were so warped that they gave this man access to the child after he'd already kidnapped her and performed a marriage ceremony with this girl. But, like, what are those people like before they even meet this man? Because it's, like, people like that, it's, like, they're, like, weak and, like, struggling or something. It's, like, how do you get to the point where both you and your husband are fucking the guy who's molesting your daughter? Like, that's just, like, there's so many layers of sadness there that it's just, like, disgust. Like, that's, I need the strongest antidepressants in the world because I hate the world. (laughs) Like, I can't. It's so hard, like. That's fucking horrible. And then there had to be people... Like, that's what's hard, too, is, like, you start to wonder and people have to be a little bit aware, but nobody wants to get involved. Like, what if you're wrong or, like, what, you know, it's, like... And then... Well, so, in um, Abducted in Plain Sight, the molester, he's dead now. I think he died by suicide because he was going to go to jail for another molestation. I don't know if it was the same girl or something like that. But he was finally going to go to jail, and then he killed himself. And so the only person sort of offering background on the actual molester was his brother. And the casual nature with which he discussed the fact that his brother liked fucking little girls was astonishing. Like, I don't, why are people starting, like, I just, it's, my God, I just can't believe, like, I mean, even it's sad because if you think about, like, my mom told me, like, how basically the FBI had very much limited the amount of pedophile, like, pornography and, like, the so-called sort of pedophile rings that were going around because before the Internet, they had these sort of, like, like physical mailing lists and, like, these horrible Shut sort of, like, underground up. circles. What? So that's how they would spread, like, pornography amongst each other is, like, they had... And it was via regular mail and, like, you know, they had these secret sort of networks. And that's horrible, but the FBI, because those are traceable things, was sort of slowly catching on to these groups which were limited and were sort of, you know, they would sort of find each other where they could in a way. And then the Internet happened. And they basically, all their work was for nothing and like Mm -hmm. these pedophiles like were able to reach each other easier than ever you know they weren't isolated anymore child porn became like just exploded like and it's just sad like because there's just you know I'm not one of these people who's like because the internet just is what it is it's like it's like complaining about television or telephones like it's like there's good there's bad Mm-hmm. And it's like the bad is these white supremacists and pedophiles and radicalized MRAs. Like, you know, the bads but are also so we've bad. We've figured out how to regulate the other mediums. We have not figured out how to how regulate, to regulate the internet. Exactly. And it's just like exploded. And it's like, you know, and also I think there's the, we're waiting on that generational shift where still right now the people who are in charge of regulating or, you know, in the FBI and things like that are not of the age that really understands the internet. They're just now getting people in there who are counterintelligence in that way. Yeah. I think it's going to be millennial sort of government representatives that figure out how to sort of keep people like Mark Zuckerberg in check or whatever. It's not going to be these like senators. Yeah. 
Daddy Mark. Um, Daddy Mark. But yeah, but it sucks because there's so, there's so much um, that's going to go unpunished and people are going to suffer so much because we haven't figured out how to regulate this shit. It just is very, it's just, I am not a child fucker. I don't have pedophilia. Like, I don't. Good for you. Good for you, Ray. Me neither. I'm, so I'm not like, but I also understand that I don't know if it's a mental illness or sexual orientation. I've heard. Um, by, you know, scientific people that it's both. But um, I'm like, why, when you figure out that you want to fuck children, you don't go to a doctor and say, I need help. But even it's, I feel like they all like have to be like, it can't, because at what point, like you are a child. So it's like, it's not like sexual orientation because it's not something, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like it's something that happens to you or like, comes from a place of like sickly like you know I don't know I think it's something that happens to you yeah. I think so because I don't just think so weird people, I I mean I don't know I don't want to speak out of turn I just don't think that there's anybody who's like yep when I'm when I'm 30 I'm gonna be trying to feel up six-year-old boys like I don't think anybody I think that 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 is not a choice people want to make I don't think I feel like that is a compulsion that like should be addressed and I don't know what the solution is because I don't want to live in a society that's so oh, like open that pedophiles feel free to announce that's it. That's so the that they thing, can yeah. Help. Everyone's like, I so against these like open that. pedophiles. They need to. What? Well, like everyone's so against it, but then it's like our society is pedophilic. Like, you know, everything's so fucking like little girl, like little, you know, like baby shit, like. Britney Spears, like, we were growing up, you know what I mean? Like, shit like that, like, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's awful, and it's like, there are levels to it, but it's like, everyone participates even in that, you know? Like, isn't it just, I, I mean, I don't know, This it just is so frustrating, uh, it's so frustrating because, you know, um, not to big myself up, but I am actively trying to be a good person, and it it's just crazy how much other people are not choosing that and <laughs> and how it's like true. and how systems are built to preserve your ability to not have to try that's exactly dude like it's exactly it like that's what i'm always astounded with even with like the con artist shit like it's like i get so stressed and like trying to do the right thing or whatever and then it's like so you're just encouraged to really not care about that and just to do whatever you want and see if you can get away with it. That's what our whole culture is like based on. Mm-hmm. And I, Truly. it makes me so upset. Cause like, it's hurtful too. It's like, even when you're like dating and stuff and then you kind of realize that that's the person that you're like with or something. And you're like, there's just been so many disappointments where it's like, Oh, like we have very different, uh, codes inner inner motivations or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I, yeah, good. No, I mean, just like that arrogance that's rewarded. That's it. But also, too, like, um, gosh, uh, a thing that, like, I'm getting nervous about is um, the older I am without, like, my life partner, 
Like the longer it takes for me to meet that person means more time developing by myself, which is a good thing. I think you should always be developed as an individual before you sort of commit your life to somebody. But I'm anxious because that's more time um, them cooking and stewing and becoming a person that I might not share the same values with. And I'm just worried that the older I get, the less I can grow with somebody because we have less time and I'm going to be stuck with somebody that has awful values because I don't want to be lonely. Oh my, yeah. Like I've been thinking about, well, it's like also it's just what scares me is that I feel like there's all this pressure as like a woman if you're dating men to adapt to their values where it's like we're so just expected to like kind of ease back on what we believe and that's not the type of person I am and it can be like you know and it's like there are tons of guys who like don't just want some woman who like you know agrees with them all the time but I think there's this like inner sense of like they don't even realize how much women are not voicing their disagreements and then they meet somebody who's really just like I don't, you know what I mean? So that's what I get worried about is as I grow stronger and stronger into what I believe and then there's like, you know, sometimes you click with somebody and then like three months in they listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and you're like, Yes, well, exactly. You're like, I don't oh, know what to, to bring up about with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, uh, this reminds me of, uh, was it last week's episode? Probably. There's a podcast I listened to on from Slate called Political Gab Fest and it's a bad choice on my part because it's three white people discussing the state of affairs right now and of course I'm going to get vexed. Um, <laughs> but I listen because they actually are really smart, thoughtful people and there's a liberal Jewish woman who usually is on the right side of things and I appreciate her because she's very forceful and adamant and she's a lawyer and she knows what the fuck she's talking about. Anyway, so they were having a conversation. Like, So the guy's David Plotz, and there's the guy, oh God, now I'm forgetting his name. He's one of the CBS This Morning guys, John something, John something. And um, and then um, uh, Emily Bazelon is the woman. And so, but D- John wasn't there that episode. It was some white lady, I can't remember her name, who was the guest host in his place. And they were talking about a study that uh, inter what's the word? It's not interracial because it's not a racing. It's like people from different ends of the political spectrum are less likely to get married to one another than they have been in American history. Mm. Right. Like, so we are so um, polarized politically in this country that, um, that yeah, Republicans don't marry Democrats anymore and vice versa. Yeah. And the woman and David Platt were lamenting this. They were upset. <laughs> by it. And, um, and David Plotz actually at one point is like, politics doesn't have to be the most important thing. Like you, you, you can, you can disagree with someone politically and still have the same morals and values. And I was it's like, that's not true. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what always confused me. Like where it's like, but how can you, if you don't, if I think that billionaires are evil and you think that capitalism is the most perfect thing in the world, then we cannot agree we cannot be together we don't have the same values because i give a shit about poor people more than you do in a way that is very consequential and will manifest in our relationship and the the example he provided contradicted exactly what he was going to say which is that he was like oh my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law hold abhorrent views and are trump supporters but they are good people 
then they're not good people. If they are, uh, they, if they hold abhorrent views and support Trump, they're not good people. Right. I mean, you can I, say I love them and know them personally. You don't have to yeah. say they're good people. And so, for you to use that to in, as evidence for why we should encourage people to date people who are their political opposites is ridiculous. And clearly he was only thinking about white people because there is no fucking way that someone who thinks that my existence in this country is not valid or fair or worthwhile is gonna be my boyfriend. I don't care. And Emily Bazelon was like, wait a second. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not as simple as, oh, we don't agree on how to fix infrastructure. Like, this is the president of the United States thinks that Latino people shouldn't be in this country. Why would they date interracial? Right. Well, and also it's, like, seen as, like, this sort of hatefulness on the part of the minority that you wouldn't, like, be like, oh, of course I'll date the nice white male Republican so that he can show, like, you know what I mean? This sort of, like, opposites attract bullshit and the only reason, the only people that I think do that, that are like, my partner is a Republican, but we don't talk about politics in the bedroom or at home, whatever. It's the people who don't really care even about their own stance, I think, where it's like, they really are just in it for, I mean, this is like a generalizing statement, but it's like, it's the people who it's like, they would rather have the platform than like the, what they're fighting for. You know what I yeah. mean? And then truly, honestly, it's part of the like, game. Well, first of all, maybe we're just weirdos. But if you're not talking about politics, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm genuinely asking because I truly don't know what is not political. Yeah. How can they, you like be it, online talking about these people, those people, and then go home to those people like every night? Right. And then also just like on top of that, truly Give me a conversation that you can have that doesn't talk politics. I need to understand because politics is infused in everything because like everything is political, who you are, what you look like, what you represent, where you're from, everything has political consequence. And so I want to know what these magical conversations that have nothing to do with politics, but are deep enough so that you can fall in love with somebody. No, it's the people who are in it for the game. I mean, it's the people who miss this type of Congress where it's just a bunch of old white guys who really don't disagree with each other too much, who fight all day together and then drink all night together. That's what they miss, like, is the intermingling. Right. So here's why um, America has less people dating people of the other party, because when you were counting it before, you weren't counting the the minorities. That's the only thing I can think of. Exactly. Yeah. the, the one of the women on that podcast was talking about how her husband is a Republican. He's not a Trump Republican, but he's you know, he has conservative values. They always say that. Yeah. Then. And then I'm like, okay, bitch, so you and your husband don't give a fuck about me. That's what you just told me. Exactly. Like, and, like yeah. I'm supposed to be excited that you figured out how to talk to a dickhead who thinks I shouldn't exist? Congratulations, ho. Have, like, I don't get it. And you know what they're implying? You know what they're implying when they do this, like, I'm not a Trump Republican? Is that they're a victim of Trump, too. It's like, yeah. we're all in this together. I, we're all victims of Trump. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you're not on the same level as a victim of Trump as a person who's literally being interned and their child's been taken from 
them. You know, you don't get Did to speak to it. Story? Did you see that story about the flight attendant who was yeah. undocumented? And she flew, she was promised that if she flew to Mexico, she could come back and she would be fine. And ICE took her anyway. Yeah. It's Gestapo. And, it's it's like fully like they're keeping track of women. I'm periods, supposed to marry like, the person cool with that? Exactly. Or the person who has enabled, you know, this party to be taken hold of like this. Like, you know, it's really ridiculous. Like, it's like, you know what? You're basically saying it's like, I only care about money. I didn't need these people to be uh, taken at the border. And it's like, yeah, well, that's what happened, you know? Right. And also in truly like, like I, I can't like, I'm one of these people who like, just like you were saying, like, would you marry somebody who had to apologize for fucking a cat? No, (laughs) I wouldn't marry him. I truly believe that your partner is a reflection on you. I think your partner reflects your, your choice in partner, um, because it reflects the values and the things that you appreciate about other people to say that the most intimate relationship I'm going to have is with a person who is my ideological and in my opinion, moral and philosophical opposite to say, to announce that to the world is crazy. That's insane. It's true. It's like, we really like, you know, you're like really not supposed to judge people by their partners, but I'm so annoyed with it because there's so many couples no, where it's judge like, people by their partners. Yeah. Where judge the dude's like partners all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Like the dude will be like such a dick and then they'll like, but she's really nice. And you're like, well, how nice can she be if her fucking how like, nice can she be if she's in love with a dick? Yeah. She's a dick too. I mean, look, obviously there are all kinds of things that all kinds of factors that you know, uh, go into that. But it's not an accident that Cory Booker has to pretend he's dating Rosario Dawson because who he is reflects who you are. Girl, girl, like, okay, look, oh far, my God, so funny. far be from me to question anybody's sexuality, right? So I'm not even doing that. I'm not even going there because I've heard the rumors, whatever. That's not my thing to do. I'm just talking purely on the face of it. Look at Corey. You think a shorty like Rosario Dawson is fucking with him? Get the fuck I out of like here, I feel like she bro. is. She dated Eric Andre. Like, I feel like Andre she's... Is at least cool. That's You're what I'm saying, cool though. She had her cool guy, and now she's going with her dad. <laughs> I... That's the two phases in Boyfriends. <laughs> Hello? I can't hear you. Ray. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, my God. Don't ever do that again. Sorry. I accidentally muted my microphone. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, Were like... sitting there screaming on mute about Rosario Dawson. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, just, like, I, I, I just, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I Like, I just don't. But all that is to say... He needed someone with name recognition and also sort of political um, engagement and not, you know, someone who's like on her face, purely vapid and just beautiful. He's making that decision on purpose because your partner does reflect on you. Mm -hmm. There would be no Barack Obama doesn't win that election without Michelle. Yes. That's what happens. So the idea that, oh, 
well, we love each other despite politics. Fuck you. Your partner's always a reflection of you. The way your partner thinks may not belong to you, but if you co-sign it by staying with them, then it reflects on you. It really is, like, insane when people can be like, yes, my boyfriend's a Republican. Yes, he owns an immoral company and is maybe in the mafia. No, it does not make us bad people. (laughs) Also, like, truly, just because of maybe other people are not like this, but just because of who I am, I talk to my friends about everything. So if you're going to be my whole husband, we're talking about everything. And so the idea that there is a topic of conversation you and your life partner avoid. I know. We don't talk politics. We don't talk politics. I'm going to end up with like a total men's rights Republican. And I'm just going to be like, we don't talk about feminism. It's just like, we don't talk about it. Marsha, if you end up with a men's right man, I am going to be the rude dickhead where the pastor is like, does anyone speak now forever? I'm going to bring in like 50 women and be like, fuck this and just ruin your wedding. I don't know what Jewish traditions are, but if there's a, if, if the rabbi pauses for someone to interrupt, I'm going to do that yeah, too. Bows and arrows. Yeah. Spears. <laughs> no. Marcia, no, well, that's what I'm saying, though, is don't that, try. but I'm not that, t- the thing is, is that I'm not that type of person, but there are the people where what I think it is, is just, I, there are, because there are men who approach you because they think that you're outspoken about being a woman because arguing with men is something like sexual and fun for you. And okay. it's like part of this game that they think is like, they think it's a Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn kind of thing. Yes. And it's like they think that it's all this game of banter. And then there are some people within the game that think that too. You know what I mean? So it's like I think the people who are like, I think not only that they paint it as if they're tolerating a quote unquote moderate Republican, but really it's that they enjoy it. They enjoy like this person who's like hateful and it's like that's what you need to own up to is that all of this is a game to you and you enjoy the debate because it's usually people who don't have a lot of skin in the game and don't even have the consciousness to like not understand how dumb it sounds to be like listen yes he's probably a racist but like if you say that me and my family are bad people you're the fucked up one Mm mm-hmm and, and you know, they don't want to have to examine their choices. I mean, truly, I have to run soon. Um, but, like, truly, the idea that Meghan McCain gets to go on TV and cry about anti-Semitism that wasn't even directed at her because her father is friends with a rich, fucked-up senator. Yes. A senator who, by the way, ruined Medicare for, Medicaid for all or whatever. He ruined the first iteration of um, Obamacare and took away the... Was it the, the public option? Whatever. He definitely put a monkey wrench in it. So he's not someone who gives a fuck about other people either. And for her to get on TV and get to cry about that while going to sleep next to the dude who runs the most racist site on the internet and had to sneakily delete the tag black crime in 2017, fuck her. I'm judging you and your partner and I'm judging you because of your partner. Exactly. Fuck you. You know what? So, Fuck you, it's Megan not McCain. Misogyny. Yeah, it's like she listens misogyny. to our show. 
Yeah, fuck, she totally does. She totally does. No. Um, there's misogyny in blaming women for men's actions, but there's also accountability in co-signing and sidling up to the power structures that benefit you and nobody else. Yeah, because it's like I blame men who date certain women too. Like It's like, you know, I don't want to hear you complain about how she's this, she's that, because that's your partner. That's who you've decided on. So don't call your partner a bitch and then see, you know what I mean? Like, it's like... Yes. Those guys who are like, eh, my girlfriend. It's like, you chose that. I don't feel bad for you. I don't feel bad you're dating somebody shallow or whatever, like, because that's who you chose, like, you know. Yeah. But I have to run, so do you want to crush a man? Uh, Well, I was going to crush the psychic that I talked to two years ago because a lot of his predictions are coming true, but I actually <laughs> have come to a good place with it, and so I've decided to forgive you, Philip, and, um, you know... It's, you know, if you ever go to New Orleans, there's a guy named Philip who is Everybody somewhere. Everybody telling me about this guy. Listen, because Amber Nelson was the one who recommended him to Christy. Yeah. I also feel like Robin told me that, too. Robin Theory. Me and Christy Coffee went, and he told Christy that she would be a landowner, or a property owner, but that I never would. And yeah, you don't want to own property anyway. Millennials don't do that. We can't. We can't keep jobs for longer than two years, and we can't own property. It's against the law. Yeah. Do you know a stat I just heard last week, and it blew my fucking mind? What? It was like, if you are black and you make over $100,000 a year, you're in the top 10% of black millennials. Wow. I'm a 10%er, you guys. You're a 10%er. Isn't that insane? Isn't that insane? Yeah, I mean, when that's the thing is like, that's what's crazy when you get into the depth, when you have like, I just have to end this episode with Elizabeth Holmes as well. <laughs> just like when you get to the people who have like, hoarded all this money, and it's just like, then they want to keep it in those circles too. You know what I mean? Like, of course, there was there was some stat I came across like two weeks ago where the um, t the average net worth in the city of Boston of white people is something like two hundred thousand dollars, and it's eight dollars for black people. Wow. Yeah, I could be wrong, but that gap was that wide. And wow. and to to tell me that that's not systemic is insane. Yeah. Anyway, so that was my that was my reverse racism. Uh, that Perfect. Oh, and come see me in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, that's why I want... Yeah, come see me oh, yeah, in Cleveland, yeah. you guys. April 5th and 6th. I'll put it on the description. I forgot. I was supposed um, to plug that Marsha on April 5th and 6th in Cleveland. And if you don't, I'm going to come to Ohio and beat your ass. <laughs> what do you have? You have a show coming up, too, I saw. Oh, it's not a show. It's a panel. So Harvard's Kennedy School of Government Ooh. has a has a black policy conference annually, so it's their 15th one, and they are having a panel about jokes and comedy as a tool against racism, and so they asked me to be on it, and so I'll be there. Harvard, on, uh, baby! Is it also April 6th? Hmm. Well, uh, don't, if you, if you live in Ohio, go see Marsha, and if you live in Massachusetts, come see me, and it's okay, if you can't pick which one to fly to, if you live someplace else. Exactly. Uh, Don't fight over us. We're all friends here. All friends here. <laughs> so we'll be back, Miss Andrus. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Do not mansplain me or mansplain me. Miss Andrus.